Good evening, Patriots, and it's Sunday, February 5th, at least at the end of it on the West Coast, and it's year 2023 East Coast. You're cruising into Monday, and the week has begun. One thing that's um, all weekend, I've been doing cleaning and just kind of getting ready for the change in seasons, and they're upon us, and so it's... uh, some interesting discoveries as I've gone through this. One of the things, as I mentioned regularly, is to make sure that you are really prepared for what's coming, and one of those things is a good night's sleep. And so make sure you've got, you're getting a good night's sleep, and there's really no better way to do that than with my pillow products, my pillow sheets, which are the Giza cotton sheets, amazingly comfortable, and also the my Pillow Classic Pillow, which now is My Pillow Classic 2.0, with a new creation of a temperature regulating, keeping a steady temperature in your pillow. It's interesting material they put in that. All American-made products. So head on over to mypillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. Take advantage of great savings, a great product, a great company. It's been just stalwart in their continued fight to not only push against this maniacal deep state, but also to contribute massively 
to the fight for liberty and, and reestablishing the integrity in our elections. So again, mypillow.com forward slash bards. So I took upon my task this weekend to um, really spend some time getting ready for or transitioning the studio into it's it's a major makeover is what I'm doing. I've new shelves and sorted through a bunch of stuff, putting in a new desk, getting in a new mixing board, things like that. And as you do that, you you're it's really an unweighting process, as you know. It's nice. It's um, I find that we we're at a really critical point. I think both. I mean, for myself in the studio, it was a physical point where I had to get things reorganized. There's just too much stuff that builds up over time. A lot of it is just cleaning things out spiritually and, and just what hangs on. There's, the weather's like 50 or so degrees today, raining outside, so it was just awesome just having the door open, letting the fresh air flow in, and just really just kind of cleansing the whole space. And so in the process, I came across what's well, been here near the desk but I, I took some time I should say because I was putting all the books on the new shelf and I have a new place for the Bibles and so I got my my grandmother's Bible that is dates back to 1890s it was there it's interesting I've been through it a lot of times but somehow I've missed some things in there that I didn't expect one of them is that in the front of the Bible in the front Bible plate there is a place where the, the names of the marriages and the names of the deaths are recorded. But in between, I discovered today, or yes, last night actually, I discovered that in between the First Testament or the New Testament and the Old Testament was another entry plate. We don't see these in Bibles these days. It's a real statement of the way things used to be. Because this was the Bible was the centerpiece of a home and it was the recording instrument for the the deaths, the marriages, and the births. So I find it interesting that in between the Old and the New Testament is the is the entry plate for all of the births. And it's pretty amazing to go and read all of those, all handwritten. And this was my grandmother's Bible, but it was passed down from her or to her from her mother. So my great grandmother. And it's just a, a testimony to a different era, an era where things worked at a very different pace. And families preserved their, their Bible from one generation to the other. It was a valued part of the family. It was what we recorded as we read in Acts and as we read in other areas of the Bible. There's a long lineage that's always put at the beginning of these books. And the Bible itself was a very real component to people's lives to do the very same thing by writing in the names of the births and the deaths and the and the marriages. You miss that. I mean, if you lose that, you lose a real connection to the world. Because in this world that we're in, obviously we become very, we've just become very accustomed to anything we want to know anything we think, anything we want to do, we just jump on the internet and find out about it. Obviously, that wasn't the case then. And so the understanding of your lineage, understanding of your family connections was all hand recorded over generations. 
it's just quite a testimony. And so I continued to rummage through the, not rummage, but move through the Bible. Found some things that my grandmother had kept in there. There was a Peanuts, Peanuts comic strip with Snoopy and whatever his little bird friend was. And there was some other little mementos. There was a picture my brother had sent her when he was, I, I'm guessing he had to be about fourth grade or something, third grade, sent her that was in there. And then I came across a news article. And it wasn't a news article. It was a more like an entry in a simplified op-ed. And it was a, it was about the um, her experience with the death of my grandfather. And it wasn't long. I, my grandmother was amazingly well spoken, and she was a deep Christian, and she was very tempered in everything that she said. My grandfather and my grandma grand, grandfather lived in Custer, Montana which was 62 miles east of Billings, which was the major city for a hospital. At least at that time. It was 1976, 1977. In fact, 1977 in, I think it was this month when my grandfather had his stroke. He had a brain aneurysm. And so um, he was a great man. But it's when words <clears throat> when words can strike you and choke you up that are so far from the origin of where they started, they speak they really speak a lot from the heart. What was stunning to me in reading this is she talked about the the experience of helplessness when she had witnessed her her, as she wrote, my husband, my grandfather, who had now obviously was having a, an aneurysm stroke, major brain bleed. And she called to get an ambulance to get him to the hospital where he needed to go. And what she goes on to describe is the helplessness and fear when she discovered and was informed that her, their family doctor would not go to the hospital where my grandfather was at because he was not allowed to practice medicine there due to some corporate agreement. I bring the story up because we sometimes think that we're in a unique, we always like to think that our eras are very unique. And as I sat there last night, it still chokes me up. Um, it was a deep insight into how so much has not changed in the midst of how much we think things have. Generation to generation, there is a, um, a tendency to believe that our life is different than it was in the past. And yet, that one little glimpse, three paragraphs published in a newspaper from Mrs. Stanley Kesterson, 
another formality that we lose. She never used her first name. My grandmother's name was Ruth. But formalities of the time and the respect for being a, a wife of somebody meant that you used that as your reference point when people looked at you and talked of you. Today, this women's lib, this equality movement has been at the core of trying to break all of these traditions down, talking about the disempowerment of women and so forth. But she was proud of that. And there was so much in three paragraphs that stunned me as I uh, read through it. I read through it a couple times, and I really just found myself heavily and emotionally moved last night on so many planes because of how much insight it gave to a time and yet how we were all still going through the same misery. Today, you don't even get your home doctor if they go into the hospital. They won't show up because your protocols are transferred over digitally and you will get whoever you get at the hospital, whoever they dole out to you. That's their way of doing business these days. That was actually just informed to my parents the other day from their doctor. At that time, it was really quite shocking to not hear that the fact that your doctor would be there. Part of that was that your doctor was the instrument of information, that your doctor would be carrying the information about you and would be able to advise on treatments because there was no internet. So even though my grandfather had been at the hospital a number of times when he was a younger man, he had had a, he was a, a, a bronc rider. He was also a sheep rancher. And at one point, um, slipped and fell off his horse and the horse fell on him because they went off a cliff. As the horse slipped, they went off a cliff, the horse fell on top of him and he, he shattered his hip. And he laid there, as I recall, for two or three days until somebody found him. And then they did the operation on his hip and one of the surgeons left a surgical sponge in his hip and so he got septic or sepsis and was in the hospital for about two months. So they had a medical history of him at a certain point, but that was some 30, 40 years in the past. So when my grandmother called and was dis- and discovered that their home doctor, their family doctor, the doctor they had been with for years, wasn't going to be there with my grandfather in a critical hour of his life, that was a huge blow and a huge shock to her. She, as she wrote in there, she was fortunate that the doctor they did get in Billings was competent and was a good doctor. But she was politely, she very uh, respectfully rebuked the hospital of saying, isn't this ridiculous that as, a, as the wife that I sat here in these moments with a great deal of uncertainty and unknowing, of what would happen now that we didn't have our doctor with us. Such a statement of loss in such a statement of wrong priorities 
in the medical community that have not just emerged but have been there for a long time. You know, I, I would, if, even if I saw that doctor today, I'd rebuke him. I'd probably do more than that. Just because it's, and I do that with any doctor, that there's, is treating people the way they are. Our values in this time, we, we come from a period, again, the Bible was, a, was central to the house. That was evident with my grandparents. And my grandmother, she kept that Bible and recorded in all the marriages and the births in her life, and her mother had done the same. In spite of that, still, when we get to this critical moment in her life, when she has lived very much as a Christian woman and done a, had, had an amazing life, she was expecting her doctor to be a Christian man. And instead, he became a puppet of Babylon. I've said all along that we're not going to retake this country unless we reset the moral foundation of where we come from. If we don't start living in a kingdom way, we're not going to get to a place where we restore anything. We'll just end up with more chaos and more descent into violence and isolationism. We'll end up with fiefdoms, not unity. Because it's through this understanding of what it is to walk in the body of Christ that we truly not only lead, but we unite and we heal in a profound way. I had a call today with a special forces friend. And when we, when I talked to my buddies like this, that we do tend to, we will get into a war framing of things. And it's easy to do because we're looking at a war that's very vicious. We swore an oath. We're seeing people victimized. And we're seeing people feeling helpless. And there is a warrior thread that gets ignited within us. And there's a desire not only to take action, but to lead many to action. And every time I, I've gotten here in the last couple of weeks, I've had this nagging. It's not only really a nagging, it's kind of like a pull that says that path is over. Now, I don't know what part of that path is over, but there is something of a higher order of that path that is opening up in a great way. And what struck me about my grandmother's rebuke was how stately it was and yet how how heartfelt. How heartfelt it was. And I and I you can tell by tonight, I mean I think I'm I'm still pretty moved by that piece. And so when I look at something like that and I think of <clears throat> all of the anger that we cast at one another and I think of all of the um, visceral emotions that people are feeling with their loved ones being literally murdered in hospitals or children that are being exposed and 
either tormented or brain attempted to brainwash them with these screwed up values or our soldiers that are left in such a place that they don't have a choice much at all to, but to take an injection that will ultimately could ultimately kill them and i think of the level of malice that's in that space and what that does to each of us there is a true sense of wanting justice we need to seek justice but there's a much in my sense of prayer with father there is a heavy caution right now to prematurely lifting a sword there is a heavy caution to stepping off into that temptation of wielding justice. Because we're not at that same walk anymore. And what I mean by that is that the world has shifted. Something significant has been happening over this last few months. Massive. And it's been a culmination of years. But it's the stepping in for us into our higher realm where justice is delivered truly through that loving and forgiving heart, but it's a profound justice. And it's not a justice like we understand. Justice in this world is very mortal, very physical, and very eye for an eye, Machiavellian. But justice in kingdom, and I'm, I'm telling you, honestly, that I'm still wrapping my head around the magnitude of what justice and kingdom is. But in the core of justice of kingdom is up until the very last second is the opportunity for restoration. And even then, when, it, when the hammer finally falls, as we, will, we sometimes eagerly, and I do it regularly, eagerly look forward to that hammer falling. I don't think that's an easy thing for God. Not when it comes to his children. There is evil. There is such a thing as pure evil. And there's, when you see it and experience pure evil, there's really no question what has to be done. You can either shake and quiver in front of evil and let evil roll over you. Or you can stand. And again, I go back to this three paragraphs of my grandmother. She spoke into what was wrong and quite frankly what I would call evil. And it was stately. She wasn't wallering in self-pity. She was speaking from a heart of, of the wife of a very amazing man. And she didn't lose her composure. She didn't lose her footing on God's rock of faith. But she spoke such truth with such clarity that it couldn't be missed. And the heart was pierced by the sword of the Spirit in such a mighty way that I would argue that most that read it would have been brought to tears and been humbled before Father. It seems every weekend, as I take some time, 
Father gives me a gift. And that one, let me tell you, was completely unexpected. Because I've been through that Bible a lot of times, and I've never seen that piece of paper. The cutout from the newspaper clipping in there, stuck away. And I'd never seen it. And it was there. And a stunning reminder of the power of the Holy Spirit when we seek to restore and to seek justice through restoration. As we move into these next phases, this year is moving fast. A reflection I had this morning just of how fast we've moved in the month of January. In fact, a point where it just was almost tiring and exhausting because so many things are happening. And it's not just the chaos. There's plenty of that. But it's the momentum of things that are happening, the momentum of truths that are popping out. For many of us, we've heard these truths. We've already discerned these truths. We understand where we are. But to see them come into the public space more and more. My mother had a visit with some of her girlfriends, and one of them had taken one of them, or her and her husband, meaning friends of my mother, and it was, it was just, but this woman, one particular woman and her husband had taken both the both shots, I guess two part, and then she discovered at that point what she had done. And it was a very humbling conversation. She was awake, very well read on the situation of what these death shots were about. But her comment was, we don't know now what our lives are like or how long we'll have to live. And I thought about that. It's like, my goodness, what change that would make on all of us. We've, we've talked about it, but if you really reflect on it, that's a whole new reality that you're in. A reality where death has now faced you and you've realized that that death is now in your veins potentially and in your DNA even worse. And I think that's part of those three paragraphs of my grandmother because the death was before her, that she was going to lose part of her. She was going to lose my grandfather. That would be hard. And it would be hard to maintain your composure. Even though there was, it wasn't about the doctoring, it was about the betrayal at the critical moment of somebody you had trusted that just wasn't there. Because doctors at that time were very much trusted and almost like family. And this doctor chose to follow rules of corporate rules and allegiances to corporate entities rather than the true allegiance to healing and to being participant in the end of my grandfather's life. My grandfather's, uh, I think he, I think it occurred January or February. 
and then he was he had passed within about a month. It was a pretty severe stroke. Our lives are so short in respect of things, and we literally have an opportunity to live boldly each day in the love of Jesus, to embrace each day, carpe diem, in such a manner as to live and to focus on what we can deliver. I find increasingly that so many are living in pasts or trying to unlock pasts or trying to predict the future. And either way, both of those are missing the opportunity to live fully within the body of Christ and within the breath of Father God. Again, I've talked so much about this, and it's why I love the art of the sword, because everything is in the moment. You can't live with the drawing of the sword that's blade is so sharp that it will cut your hand off, literally, and be thinking about tomorrow or yesterday. You have to focus everything in the moment of the blade. And that's very much like the sword of the Spirit, because words are the power of life and death. And what we bring to these moments, we have to be cognizant and present of. Last Thursday, we started something on bended knee, which we're going to continue and maybe expand. But we prayed for healing for two people. And it struck me just how seldom we have done that. On this channel, this place, we've done it rarely. But just even in our lives, how seldom we pray for healing. We pray a lot about things. But this is a time now that we need to be out with hands-on and healing. You know, last week, President Trump did a rally. I can't even tell you where he was at because I don't follow his rallies anymore. But what was so amazing was not the rally. I didn't pay attention to the rally. What I focused in on is what happened afterwards. He went into a place to get local burgers or something. And he came up to the window. And he came up to the woman that was at the window, the ordering window. It was uh, kind of a multiple windows, locally owned place, ordering counter, and not much seating space inside. It looked like it was mainly takeout. And he says, is the food good? And she says, yes. She says, Mr. President, can I do something? And he said, sure. She says, uh, can I, can I pray for you? She didn't just stop there. She took his hand. She did hands-on prayer. We can rail all we want about the frustrations we've had with Trump. But you know, when you look at all the people around President Trump, his circle, his spiritual advisors, his second-tier spiritual advisors, his friends, Do you realize that that woman had more courage and heard the voice of God more in the moment than any one of those other people? That in that very moment, she just didn't care that he was a president. She just saw him as a soul that needed to be healed. And she prayed for him. That was probably one of the greatest things that has happened to him, whether he realizes it or not, in a long time. 
She wasn't a pastor of some megachurch. She has no name for the sense of who we know she is. She's just one of us that did the right thing by listening to God and taking hold of his hand and praying for him. How often do we do that for each other? How often do we do that in our families? How often do we do that with strangers that we don't know? These are just reflections from the weekend because that one three paragraphs of my grandmother's note published in a local paper resonated so deeply with me on the on the beauty and elegance and stateliness of a words of rebuke to a doctor that failed. She simply expressed her position and it was very clear it was a very difficult moment. She didn't bow to the nastiness of accusations. Instead, she left with the challenge of this is really quite unfortunate that we're in such a state as this. With a heart that's boldened with the right thing, with a society that should be driven by morals and ethics, those types of words resonate deeply. And this is a type of world we have to return to. There's always going to be a need for the warrior class. There's always going to be a need, unfortunately, in the world of men to have those that will wield the sword of steel. But we, if we put too much emphasis on that, that's all we will become. Very few can claim to have mastery over the sword of the Spirit. We talk a big game, but we really don't have it. And even in understanding this true complexities and dimension of the sword of steel versus the sword of spirit, if we look at Christ to see the mightiness of the sword of the spirit, it's a tall order to walk even close to that. And yet that's exactly as we're called to do. I'm not trying to put my grandmother on a pedestal but I can tell you the three paragraphs in those words struck me as powerfully as any words have. And it's, to me, that was a reflection of somebody who truly did understand the mightiness of the sword of the Spirit. Words of the power of life and death. And so I think... In all of this reflection I've had this weekend, it's been, there seems to be a real careful walk that we have to pay attention to now. This is what I get out of my weekend, out of my prayers, out of the sorts of walk with Jesus that I I take a time to do every Sunday night to tell a little bit about. But it's those walks that we make now that, It's very easy to be angry right now. And it's very easy to want to start fighting back with the mightiness of the sword of steel. But it's going to take the masterful warriors that understand that, but are now honing their sword of the spirit, the power of their words, 
and prayer and keeping that sort of steel on their hip until nothing else is left except that. And let's hope that we don't get there. There's a lot of evil here. There's a lot of evil in the light. It's a gift God's given us to be able to see clearly in such a time as this. But this is also time that we have to start coming together and speaking truthfully from our heart to build the ranks of the walk that we will make and continue to make with Father. There really isn't, we use the terms defiance and noncompliance, but it's neither because when you're walking in kingdom and we're, we're not obliged to the silliness and bankruptcy of the world of men. So it's not that we're not complying with the world of men. We're simply aligning with the proper walk with God. And when we build that strength within us and we're able then to speak boldly, we're experiencing a death of sorts of what the old way was before us and understanding that before us is a new way that we have to forge. See, we've gotten here because we were fighters. We scrapped it out. We understood the necessity to have to punch back hard, to hold a brutal line, to fight for what was ours. And this is what keeps falling on my heart day in and day out. And it's like Father just touching me, saying, look, you got here through that walk, but there's something greater on the other side of this door. It's a walk in a forgiving and loving heart that is so massively profound. It's a world where there's everything is possible, where the supernatural God lives boldly within us, where the miracles of healing, the miracles of casting out demons and raising the dead is commonplace. It's not a circus show. It's a firm walk in the word and the understanding that words are the power of life and death. The disciplines of the sword, they're disciplines that we maintain to drill, to understand, but not to let them overtake us because the true discipline of the sword of the spirit is the one that we probably don't discipline enough. When I say that, when you do a, when you drill, whether it's shooting or martial arts or archery, you'll do a set of skills. Maybe you'll do, maybe it's the same thing every time you go to the range. Maybe it's the same katas that you do every morning. Maybe it's the same archery skills that you do each day, whatever that is. But it's a series of drills to improve your skills and your accuracy. And yet, we don't do those with the sword of the Spirit because essentially, we've never given it that much commitment, and yet we must. And what struck me again in these three short paragraphs that my grandmother wrote was that whether in knowingly or unknowingly, she, had, she was truly accomplished, if not masterfully accomplished, in the sword of the Spirit. For me, as I step into this 
week. And again, each week seems to be at this rate, like passing months, if not years. My eyes now hone down into my daily disciplines and asking that question. What are those daily drills that sharpens the sword of the spirit? What is the kata of the sword of the spirit that makes us more precise? What are the drills on the range of the sword of the spirit that makes us more accurate and more deadly? What are the, what's the framework of precision that makes each word that we draw and release as an arrow into the air become more accurate and precise when it hits the target downrange? What is that? What does that look like? And that's a question now. It's big on me and I my walk forward because as we step into this powerful place in the world where so much is changing around us, we're starting to see once again a threshing. We had China balloon invasion last week, which consumed everybody, and yet nothing really happened. But for those of us that stood on the side and we looked at this, it was almost like looking into a different reality. It's like, what are they doing? This is silliness. So we are, we're literally being given a perspective on the world that's different. We're seeing things more clearly. We're less influenced by a matrix of mind control that has been basically saturated into every aspect of our lives. And God is talking to us. He's leading us. He's showing us a way and reminding us that the mightiness of the sword of the spirit is before us. Now our quest is to find the drills that make it stronger, that bring it to life in our daily engagements. At the center of that is going to be forgiving and healing, forgiving and, and loving, forgiving and helping. Because heaven's justice and the power of heaven doesn't work like the justice of blood. It's working from a different level and different state of power that can be stately. You can speak a truth so powerfully over time that it still opens your heart up to feel the pain and the emotions and the truth that sits within it. It's unescapable. It's literally flipping a table within your soul. And yet, not a finger touches you. There's no anger in it. There's truth. That's the mastery. And the mastery that I think we all need to seek. Let's pray. Father, we're very blessed to be here in this time. And I'm beginning this prayer tonight with just a personal thank you. Every week you just provide these amazing insights that give me something to share that I hope that those words help and assist others or open people's conversation up with you. Reminding me this weekend so powerfully of the 
tools of the of our true warfare, the sword of the spirit, the wor- power of the word, the life and the, it brings itself life and death through a simple three paragraph post or submission to the paper that my grandmother had made. Father, this is a time truly when so much continues to be chaotic and will probably continue for some time. We don't pray for it, but we accept what we see before us as it unravels as so many that have been locked deep within a darkness and an emptiness are now seeking you or seeking something as the world that they worship begins to unravel. May we be there as you call and as you place us to inspire and to lift their eyes up to see you and to seek Jesus to be reborn, to repent, and to take their place here on this earth as true representatives of kingdom. You've blessed us to be in this time and this place, a profound moment to live over the scope of human history, seldom if we Can we look at a point, if ever, a point of this much change that has happened so suddenly? And at the center of everything are the choices which we make and the paths which we choose to walk. May we seek the path that leads first with the sword of the Spirit. May we choose the path first that seeks a loving and forgiving heart. May we seek a path first and above all where we lean to you for justice on all things and that with that we discover the mightiness of how you see this world and how powerful a world of kingdom justice truly is. Guide us in this time, Father. Continue to open our eyes to the miracles and miraculous and the supernaturals of you. Open our hearts to what we think may not be possible to show us that anything is possible. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So patriots, take some time and just reflect on where your practices in the sword of the spirit. It's an interesting conversation, one that I'm sure will continue on down the way. It's like all things, if we're going to do in battle, we have to train like we're going to fight. And I don't have these answers right now. And yet what struck me is we need them. Quite an interesting consideration and all that the sort of the spirit which we say so often and we say so casually is itself the mightiest of all weapons and yet we drill it the least that's got to change have a very blessed evening keep your head up and your eyes forward never bow to evil never relent always press into the fight god is with us he'll never forsake us and in the end god always wins But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war, so walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy. Mission forward. 
Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. i
Shivering, I just 